High Desert Word Center. Good morning, everybody. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we are going to have an awesome day. Uh, man, uh, the Marrieds event on Friday night was super cool. I don't know who was here for that, but we've just really kicked off the weekend in a great way. And today is going to be absolutely awesome as well. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we are going to keep believing and declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus, and we will walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and say these words together. 
Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus some praise today. Okay, we're going to take a few minutes here to go around and do a little greet time. So why don't you find somebody, give them a hug, and you know they want a hug. If they don't look like they want a hug, they want a hug. Give them a hug. Handshakes, fist bumps, let's go.
they stand until they're told I'm just saying you all like know the schedule and you just do it is that a compliment or an insult well I don't don't know because when we had the carpet cleaned this section was also the dirtiest section I'm just saying alright so if right. you spill your coffee, I'm just letting you know, Jesus knows about it, okay? And so does Stanley Steamer. <laughs> it wasn't even Stanley Steamer, but that was good. Anyway, this section, I love you. Thank you for knowing how church works and just rolling with it. And the rest of you, thank you for obeying. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that was a backhanded compliment. I love you this section. It'll be fine. All right. Thank you other sections for cleaning up your spilled coffee. Anyway, welcome to church. Amen. There we go. <laughs> welcome to church. We love you. Um, tonight is membership class. Yes. And there are three pages of you coming. Uh, I can't promise it'll be any less crazy than what's happening right now, but it's going to be a great time. It's going to be great. And Pastor Dave got you snacks yesterday. We stocked up. If you like to snack. Yeah. Tonight's your night. Amen. But on top of that, Jesus. Amen. And you'll get to learn all about the church and the history of the church and what we believe. And you can ask all these questions. It'll be so fun. It is at four o'clock in Victory Hall and there is childcare available. If you are not signed up, you are welcome to go ahead and sign up. Um, that way we have your contact information, but just meet us in Victory Hall at four o'clock. Amen. Um, it will go through service, um, but you'll have childcare available to the end of that. You'll be able to catch the tail end of service tonight. On the 26th, next Sunday-ish, um, we are having a few things going on. Um, 
there is a missions meeting after service that will also be in Victory Hall. And you need to have all your paperwork together. They're going to get you some dates of fundraisers that are coming up. And then on the 26th, Sunday night, it's worship night. I'm so excited about that. It's really, really going to be good. It's really going to be good. And quietly, we didn't do this on purpose, but quietly, it's also Miss Desiree Garcia's birthday. Whoa. So, um, FPU starts March 5th. Okay. March 5th is FPU. If you don't know what FPU is, Financial Peace University. Yeah. Yes. So there are some people like that lady in the back row over there who are crazy enough to totally live it. Um, and some people like this guy over here who are crazy enough to totally live those principles. Yeah. And here's what I can tell you. Debt free is the way to be. Yes, okay. Um, yes. So they are not a servant to their money. They are a servant of the Lord yes. and he blesses everything that they set their hand to do. So all of those are biblical principles. And if you need help with your money, Jesus has a lot to say about money and how to handle it. Because really it's supposed to be a tool in your life. Yeah. It's supposed to be a tool and help you to be successful and be all God created you to be. So that is coming on March 5th. There is also child care available for that. So there's no excuses, dear friends. And you can sign up for it at hdwc.org slash FPU. Yes. You with me? hdwc.org slash FPU. So just go to our website. Thank you. You can just go to our website and it will have a link to that as well. Now, for the important thing. Aren't you glad that Miss P's back with us? I know it's her second week, but like... Life is so much better when she's home. Anyway, her birthday's coming. Her birthday's coming. And I don't want to give away all the secrets because she actually likes surprises. I like to give away surprises, and I'm really bad at that because I like to play the hint game. She doesn't like that game. So we're not going to do that. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to start getting contacted about some things. Okay? Because we've got some plans going on. And you know what we told you before, right, about your cards? Okay. You need to have a card, okay, for her birthday. And we'll explain the rest later. But you need to go pick a card because we know how the rest of y'all are. If there's a birthday party on a Saturday, I'm going to see you at Walmart 20 minutes before that birthday party. Okay, we know, and you know who else knows? Jesus and Miss Irma right here. She knows all of us are procrastinators. So I need for you to go get cards. When y'all go out to lunch today, go get a card, okay? All right, well. If you are with us for the first time, hmm, welcome to church. If you're with us for the first time in a long time, either way, can you wave at me? First time, first time in a long time. I want to welcome you. Welcome. We love you. I'm so glad to have you with us. Um, it's crazy around here, but we do love Jesus. Yes. Um, we also have Mission Sunday today, and Miss P is going to talk about that. But I want to tell you that our mission stuff after all the sound panels went up, has moved back by the coffee bar. 
So if you are interested in what we're doing around the world for missions, please stop back there and check it out. There's some really, really cool stuff that's not only around the world, but also here in Barstow. Um, it's really been amazing to see what God is doing and what the churches are doing. So please make yourself available to that and find out what God is doing with what you sow into his kingdom. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, that's right. Amen. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So I think Mrs. Pastor is going to come on up this morning. We were just speaking of her. And she's going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Robert, you're fast for a 40-year-old. Wow. Wow. Boy's got some speed. Wow. (laughs) All right. So... um, well, Mrs. Pastor is going to do regular Sunday morning tithes and offerings, and today is our missions offering, and we got some cool updates along those lines. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, Robert can still play softball. Where'd he go? There you are, right? He can still run those bases, right? All right. Well, Joe's coming. You guys, you know. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Well, our, uh, we're doing, as Pastor Dave said, we're doing regular tithes and offerings and we're doing our missions offering. And so I like to use this scripture for our, the Sundays that we do missions offering. It's in Psalms, um, chapter one. No, no, chapter two, verse eight. And I'm in the New King James. This says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And the ends of the earth for your possession. You know, he says to ask him. So, do you have loved ones that aren't born again yet? You're supposed to ask him. Right? See, God's a gentleman and he doesn't just shove his way into anything. So if you want him to do something or you want to ask him to do something for you, like get your family saved or your neighbors or, you know, barstow, things like that. You have to ask him because the word also says that you receive not because you ask not. So one of the most important things that you can ever ask the Lord is, Lord, I want you to give me the nation for the nations for our inheritance. That's why we do missions around here, because we support missionaries so that they can go out and win the lost. Amen. But at the same time, we're here individually that as we individually go into the highways and the byways of our communities, amongst our families, our workplace, our schools, just at the grocery store, whatever, that we've always got our antennas up. Lord, who in here needs Jesus? Probably everybody. So we've always got our antenna up. And you, and you go around and you drop little hints like, uh, have a blessed day. That's a Christian term. Or you can start talking about church. If they don't bite on that, means they're not born again. You know, they're just little things that you can, you know, reach out there and try to find. You can, if they're saying that, if they're saying to you, man, I feel so bad today, the cashier, whatever, is it okay if I pray for you? Done that so many times, so many times. Pastor and I went to a Barstow Burger the other day. That's a good place and the prices are good. We went there the other day, and we're sitting there eating our burger, and this gentleman, I see him come in with two little girls, and the Holy Ghost said, buy his lunch. Well, at my point in life, I know that if the Holy Ghost tugs me to do something, I do it immediately. That way I can't talk myself out of it. 
So I looked in my purse really, really quickly and I grabbed a bunch of money out of it. And I walked up to the gentleman and I said, the Lord just, just tugged on my heart and told me to buy lunch for you and your little girls. And he said, and he just, he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And I said, Jesus loves you. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Buy somebody's gas. You know, this days that's a real sacrifice. You buy somebody's gas and you tell them Jesus really loves you. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. So anyway, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And for your missions giving, make sure you write on your envelope plainly or your check plainly for missions. Otherwise, it goes in the general account. Now, Pastor Dave, wherever he went, told me that we have a, a video of a... It's pictures of Ray Bench. Okay, so do we want to show those now? Okay, go ahead. Oh, here we go. Ray Bench is in the Philippines. Uh, tra- he goes there every year, at least once or twice, traveling and and uh, ministering to people in the Philippines. And so we always like to kind of send him an offering. He's not on our regular missions things because he's not a you know a missionary like we support. But every once in a while, we'll send him money to go to uh, the Philippines and help him to be able to get there. So. Lots of people in those services, and he's teaching the word in the Philippines. So that's that's pretty good stuff. Okay. Um, is that all the picture? Okay, you can turn the lights back on so I can see my notes here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. Also, uh, we helped fund Tony Cook's new book, The End of Spectacular Church, and it will be released in March in bookstores around the world. And you know Tony Cook's an avid... Uh, avid uh, author. We've got tons of his books in our bookstore. Okay, before we take up the offering, I want to uh, talk about something. How many of you have heard about the revival in uh, Ashbury University in Kentucky? Okay. Just FYI, that's a Christian university and it's spreading to other, other places. I want to talk to you about revival and I want to talk to you about a great awakening. There are two different things. We have, we have, what well, we used to have in our bulletin, which we don't really do anymore, a prayer for revival and a prayer for great awakening. A lot of times at warfare prayer, the Holy Ghost has us hit those topics of revival and a great awakening. Revival is when you're already born again and you need a little boost. You need a little, you know, you need to be revived. You need, come on, let's get, you know, let's get going, you know, you're slacking off here. Or people who have backslidden. They need revived. They need to be brought back to life, okay? So it's kind of for believers. Now, a great awakening, Pastor Dave knows the history on the great awakenings in America and around the world. A great awakening is when an an, uh, entire nation, a culture, does not have a clue about who God is other than a cuss word. That's America, folks, if you don't realize it or not. Because when God was kicked out of the schools back in the 60s, I was around then. You know, that means they took it out of the curriculum. They took it out of everything. So if you don't have God at home and you don't have God at school, where's God? You know what I'm saying? So a great awakening is when just an entire nation, an entire area, entire culture comes to the realization of, wow, there is a God. His name is Jesus. Okay, now one great thing about being a little older than the rest of you is that I was around during the charismatic renewal, which took place in the late 60s, early 70s, when the Holy Ghost swept through this nation and around the world. And that's when a lot of the churches, Pastor and I were in that movement. Joe's pastor in New York was in that movement. 
men and women of God got swept into the into the kingdom of God, but a lot of them were ministers. So if you see any ministers around that are like in their 70s, chances are they're a product of that charismatic renewal. It's extremely interesting, extremely good. But I want to talk to you about this a minute. God doesn't go anywhere unless he's invited. So how much time have you spent praying for revival? I'm just asking. How much time have you spent praying for a great awakening? We want that here. And I dare say that the Holy Ghost shows up here more than he does a regular church. Through the praise and worship, people coming forward, through the gifts of the Spirit, through healings, things that happen that take place here. But we want more of God, right? So I just want to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you, first of all, when we do praise and worship up here every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every uh, Sunday night, why don't you make your way out of your seat and stand up here? It's powerful up here. You know, part of God is you need to take an extra step and do something you've never done before. You need to take a step. Maybe during praise and worship you never raise your hands. How about raising your hands? How about getting out of your seat and coming up to this altar? Let's come up here and expect the Holy Ghost to be here because he always is every Sunday morning. And you can feel his presence far better up here than you can back there. So I just want to challenge you. Step out. Do something you've never done before. Amen. And also something about when, you know, when we were in Indiana, we had 63 days of Holy Ghost meetings back in Indiana. God showed up. We had, we had a guy that flew in from Thailand because he heard, we were a little storefront church in the middle, in a little town and the Holy Ghost showed up. And we had people from other states that came from Oklahoma, from Rama that came. You know, and it was 63 days. But this is something, the reason that God does this stuff at these meetings like this is to get people back into the loop with God, to get people that are not born again, born again, to fire people up. Now, you can't make this stuff up. You can try. But if you try to make up what God is doing, you're, 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 you're messing with the devil. You've got to let God do it. What God does, he does. What he doesn't do, he doesn't do. And when it ends, because eventually it will end, like 63 days ended. But what he expects at the end of the, of, at the, end of the time when he's pouring out revival or pouring out a, a move of the Holy Ghost or pouring out a great awakening is for people to step up to the plate, believers that have been sitting on their rusty dusties doing nothing for God, to step up and to worship him, to serve him, to do what it is he's telling them to do and not put it off any longer. And so when those days end, it's not so people can say, oh, I don't feel anything anymore. Because during those meetings, you will feel the Holy Ghost. You will feel his presence. But when you no longer feel him or feel his presence, does that mean you're going to walk out the door and not serve him anymore? Or are you going to step up to the plate and say, Lord, I know that was you. I'm going on. I know know what you told me to do during those days that that we were worshiping you and all that kind of stuff and I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to do what you told me to do. Like the, like, the, like the people during the charismatic renewals did. That's when the Word of Faith churches came into being back in those days. You know, 
awesome things can happen. These are the last days. People are going to hell in a handbasket. And we need to get out there and we need to, we need to receive from the Lord. And we need to take what he gives us and go out and win a lost and dying world for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our job. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's say our financial faith confession and you can bring up your tithes and offerings and make your way up front and worship the Lord up here. Amen. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's come up to the altar and worship the Lord together. This is the Christian Super Bowl right here. Okay, praise is the Christian Super Bowl. So let's praise Him. Let's have zeal for Him. Let's love on Him. Let's raise our hands. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We have zeal. If there's one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing is not what I'm seeking. Like is the air I'm breathing, I want your presence, feet on the earth, heart full of heaven, still for you, completely consumes me.
and generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all.
Let's raise our hands to him for a minute this morning. And what are we doing? We're 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 showing a sign of surrender is what we're doing. And and what are we doing? We're giving a sacrifice this morning. You may not feel like worshiping right now. You may not feel like singing, like standing, like raising your hands. But something incredible happens whenever we push past what we feel like doing and we choose to worship God. Amen. And so this morning, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we 
we do praise you and we thank you, Father, that there is no one like you in all the earth. You are holy. You are set apart, Lord. And we would never dare to even put somebody else on the same level as you, put somebody else in the same realm as you, Lord. We know, Father, that you are holy and you are our Savior. You are our King. You are our Creator. You are Lord of all. And we know, Lord, that the book of Philippians tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Lord, we are choosing to willingly do that today. We say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Can we say that together today? Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Say it again. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now say it like you mean it today. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would have your way here today as we magnify you and lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can make your way back to your spots if you can there. You know, Jesus said that if I would be lifted up from the earth, I would draw all men unto me. And... and. Really, there's a few applications you could look at that verse through, but I really uh, look at it through the application of whenever we lift his name up, amen, whenever we praise him and worship and lift his name up, he draws all men unto him, amen. Well, uh, we're going to get into the word of God today, and uh, we'll, we'll probably need to do a little uh, rewind, a little recap uh, in case you weren't here last week, but who knows what the title of our series has been since the start of the new year roots amen are we talking about tree roots no we are not we are talking about your spiritual roots amen and uh, what we're really basing everything off of in 2023 is a very important theme verse for the new year and i want to look at that verse before we start things off here and that's colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 if you're here and you need an outline for the message to follow along raise your hand and the ushers will give you an outline to follow along with and i've got a lot of stuff on there today uh, because once again this week i'm going to go a little bit deep on you all right and uh and so so there's some there's some Christian doctrine and theology that I want to get across to our church. And uh, for some of the stuff that we're teaching uh, over these few weeks here, some of you guys are like, man, I've known that for like 50 years, dude. Well, good for you. We're thrilled for you. But not everybody does. Right. <laughs> and even if you know it and have heard it, I guarantee you that nobody in here knows everything there is to know regarding any topic of the Bible. Do we have any know it alls today? Very, oh, good, good. Oh, oh we got one. We got <laughs> Make it. <laughs> no, we play. We play. She's joking. So, right? Okay. <laughs> She's joking. But, no, really, I want to get some things across to us as we are learning how to put our roots down in to him because we know that hey the last couple of years as we've said have been really great uh, for high desert word center there's been a lot of growth but one thing that i've learned in life is you can't sustain growth without a solid foundation and a tree can only grow as tall and strong as its roots will allow and that goes for your life that's what we're talking about we're talking about you if you've got these dreams and aspirations and goals and you're like man i want to be a 200 foot tall sequoia tree well, 
that's great, and we support your dream, and we support your vision, but we also know that you better have some roots to support your dream and your vision, or it won't last. And here's the thing regarding roots, is that they take time to grow. It's not an instant, overnight thing. And most people that we see in this world, if their success was just instant and overnight and handed to them, most of the time, it doesn't sustain and it doesn't last because they don't have the foundation to withstand that rapid growth and that success, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing a little rewind over the, from the last couple months of sermons just for 30 seconds here. But how many times have we seen somebody that just comes in to an incredible amount of money, right? Maybe they win the lottery, which for some people is the worst thing that could happen to you. And then we see some people, like some of my favorite athletes growing up, one of my favorite basketball players he made several hundred million dollars over like a 15 year period several hundred million and to this day right now he's got nothing to show for it he's got nothing left he spent it all how can you possibly do that? Well, he didn't have the foundation system beneath him to know how to handle that success and that fortune. And so what are we doing in here? We're taking some time this year to let our roots grow down into him and to lay a very solid foundation because I don't want to just see a bunch of people that, hey man, they had a really good couple of years there. That was good for them. I want to see... Me, I want to see you 50 years from now still rocking and rolling and having insane success because we took the time to lay the foundation. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about. Colossians 2, 7, our theme verse for 23 says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built upon him. What happens after that? Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Doesn't that sound like a pretty awesome life right there? That you have a life that is built upon the solid rock. You've got roots that go so deep into God's word. No storm, no tornado, no blizzard, no hurricane can blow you down because you are as strong as it gets. Because you took the time to do life the right way. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that they, you know, it may look like it because it's real easy these days to put a really nice filter on a pretty shallow and vain picture. Right? Anybody can do that. You can, there's so many people, you look at it, you know, social media, whatever, like, man, they have got... What, what an incredible life. They've got it all together. No, they've got a nice filter and, you know, an iPhone 15 or whatever it is. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that everything is how it seems. Amen? And so we're not putting filters on our life right here. We are doing it the right way and living life the way that God intended. And that always turns out better than the way that you intended. I think we should say amen today. Even if you don't feel like it, say amen. All right, thank you, all four of you. All right, what we did last week is we started looking at uh, the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. And uh, I'm not going to re-go into all that because we had to lay a little groundwork, but who in here knows what the Trinity is? All right, well, maybe I should go back over this. Um, uh, you guys are going to have to wake up today, all right? I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to have to wake up this morning, all right? And we do have Trinity over here, but I'm not talking about her. She's great. She's awesome. All right, let's hear it for Trinity. Okay. 
That is a trinity, but not the holy trinity. Amen, all right? And so the holy trinity is the Christian doctrine of God is three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what we look at is all the way from the book of Genesis. In fact, Genesis 1.26, we see where God is referring to himself that way, saying, let us make man in our image. And we see the work of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, all the way from creation, all the way to the book of Revelation. The, we see the, the Trinity in, in the birth of Jesus. Amen? And you see the Trinity at the baptism of Jesus. You see the Holy Trinity all throughout Scripture, but you'll never see the word Trinity in the Bible because it's not in there. But that's okay because the doctrine and the teaching of it is. And there are some things that, you know, Christian churches can agree to disagree on, but the doctrine of the Trinity is a non-negotiable. We have to hold to the truth of this statement that our God is three in one. And any, you know, any, there's other, you know, groups that would say that they're Christian, but they don't adhere to the divine and infallible truth of the fact that our God is triune in being. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I, you know, I won't throw out their names, but there are, there are groups that would call themselves Christian that really the, the rest of the Christian church around the world would say, no, you gotta agree on this statement that God is three in one. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking a couple of weeks to break this down and really look individually at Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so last week, who remembers what we looked at last week? Good job, yes. <laughs> we looked at the Father, and we saw that God Almighty, our Father God, we studied some of His fatherly paternal attributes that that he displays towards us. And we understand that for some people, if you didn't really have much of a father in this world, praise God, you've got one now and you've got the best one. And if you had a really good dad, then that's awesome as well, because then you can really sometimes appreciate some of the fatherly things that God Almighty does for us. But this week, we're going to be looking at the Son, Jesus Christ. Who loves Jesus? Yeah, come on. Jesus, we're looking at the Son. And, you know, to try to cover God Almighty, Jesus the Son, or the Holy Spirit in, you know, a 45-minute sermon, is it's impossible. In fact, we could preach a 45-year sermon and not even scratch the surface of who Jesus is or who God the Father or the Holy Spirit is. But I'm going to look at a few uh, facts about who Jesus the Son is today. And I pray that you'll listen up because I want you to see some things that maybe you've never seen and maybe uh, some things that you need reminded of. But what we're doing is we're letting our roots grow down into him, Father, into him, Son, into him, Holy Spirit. And I want each of us to get an even deeper relationship with God on all three of these fronts as we go through this. Because I know this much, I am not satisfied with where I am with the Lord. I want more of him. I want more. And I know that there's more there to be discovered. There's so much more about God that I want, that I, that I, that I don't know. And, 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 and I want to get to know Him better and deeper and closer. And I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want to know Him better and better. And the more that I know Him, the more that I love Him. 
He's incredible. And so let's pray this morning and then we're going to get into the message. And uh, you'll see you've got some kind of a little bit more to fill in this week than on a normal uh, week. But there's a lot to say about Jesus in a short amount of time right now. All right. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. And Lord, we know that you are our savior. You are our everything. And I pray that as we open the word of God today, that you will speak to us. You'll show us what we need to hear. And Lord, as we approach your word, Lord, give us a soft and tender hearts before you to receive it and to hear what you are saying to us today. We love you and we praise your name in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's look at some facts about the Son Himself. Number one, Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. And uh, we're going to study some of this out here, but I've got, you know, um, underneath each fact, I've got some sub points today that I want you to see. But check it out. Some things that you need to know regarding Jesus as God in the flesh is one. One is this is that Jesus has always existed. You need to know that that is an irrefutable. Uh, you have you have to know this, that Jesus has always existed. He didn't first come into existence when he was born to the Virgin Mary. You realize that, right? That's not when Jesus was first on the scene. Now, that's when he came to earth as a human in a physical body. But you need to know this much that Jesus is God. So he was not created. And I, and I know to our natural mind uh, that that's something that's hard to understand because everything that we know of had at, had a beginning point, right? Everybody you know, everything you know had some starting point somewhere, but God had no starting point. No one created him. No one, no, no, nobody can even begin to comprehend how deep and how big God is, but God has always existed. And that includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And any, any teaching that says that Jesus was a created being is wrong. Jesus was not a created being. He is one of the creators. And you'll see that all throughout even the New Testament scripture. But Jesus has always existed. When you read the Christmas story, which I love the Christmas story, check it out. That's just when Jesus came in to earth to become one of us as a human being. And we're going to explain why he needed to do that in a minute. But let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Can you handle a little bit deeper today? All right, listen, we're going to go. I want you to learn some things today. We are teaching today, and this is a little bit deeper than uh, just preaching a good hot sermon at you. So I pray that you've brought your uh, ears to hear today, and I would like you to learn some very important Christian doctrine and theology. So Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look here at verses 15 through 17, and it says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
Nobody, and I'll tell you about this in a minute, nobody's ever seen God the Father face to face. Nobody. You would die if you did, and I'll show you that in a minute. But people have seen Jesus the Son. He lived in this earth for 33 years, all right? And so Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, He's supreme. Look at verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Now, you realize that there are things that exist that you can't see, right? You understand that? Some of you do? Okay, listen. There are things that do exist in what we would refer to as maybe the spiritual world, that they're very real, but you can't see them with these eyes. Christ created these things. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That is some deep stuff to try to wrap your mind around right there. But listen, we got to approach God's word with our heart. And so notice the verse 15 right there. It says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And I'm telling you this morning that nobody can see God the Father and live through it and live to tell about it. And uh, you can just write this down. I'm not turning there. But in Exodus 33 and verse 20, he tells Moses, listen, my glory would straight up kill you. You don't, because Moses is like, I just want to see your face. I want to see you face to face. And that's a great prayer to pray. And that's a wonderful thing. But God's like, it would kill you if you saw my face. No one can see my face and live. And so God told Moses, I'll allow you to see me from behind. And so God passed by Moses and Moses was allowed to see him from behind. And the glory just from seeing God's back was so incredible that Moses lit up like the brightest light you've ever seen in your life. When he came back down the mountain, this is all Exodus 33, 34, when he all came down the mountain, when he came came back down the mountain, the people couldn't even look at him because he was so blinding. Moses had to put a veil over his face just so he could talk to people because just from seeing God at that angle, the glory was that overwhelming that it was blinding people. That's incredible. And so Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Do you get that today? Amen. And so that's that's who he is. And of course, verse 16 tells us that Jesus was there at creation. In fact, it tells us that everything was created through him. And there's many more New Testament verses that also align with that. But here's another thing on your outline there is that Jesus, he can identify with our weaknesses and temptations. Jesus can identify with our weaknesses and temptations. And so I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to spend a little time in Hebrews. Are you still with me today? Are we learning anything today? Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. And so what we're trying to tell you this morning is this, is that Jesus knows what you're going through. 
He can identify with what you're going through. And He can help you get through what you're going through. But Hebrews 4, verses 14 and 15. And again, this is all talking about Jesus the Son. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Well, how could he understand my weaknesses? For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so, have you ever heard the old saying, it takes one to know one, right? I mean, I at least know that as a child in the 90s, when somebody called you a name, the instant response was, it takes one to know one, (laughs) right? And so, that may sound like a, a silly little phrase, but I'm telling you that Jesus knows us. He can relate to us because he became one of us. Jesus knows what we're going through and he faced all of the same testings and temptations that we did yet without sin. And so Jesus gets us because he lived in this earth and he had to deal with all the same things that we have had to deal with. How many in here you've ever had a boss that likes to bark out orders to you, but it's hard to respect that boss because they've never actually done the job that you're doing? As long as your boss isn't here, it's safe to raise your hand. Okay. I have had bosses like that. And I don't like that. I don't like somebody that's just read about it in a book or studied it at school. Then they want to come out there and yell at me all day about how to do it if they've never actually done it. Because I feel like they don't get me. They don't understand what it's like. My first boss that I had, I fried chicken for 18 months. It was incredible, one of the best times of my life. And so I worked at this little restaurant in my hometown, and my boss was an incredible, incredible dude, all right? But here's the straight facts, and I use this word. I've noticed I use this word a lot lately, but it's true. My boss was just a good old hillbilly, you know, from the hills of Indiana. And so he would ask me to do things, and he'd be like, now, son, listen, I would never ask you to do something that I myself wouldn't do as well. And then I look back on it and I'm like, you know what? He's right. Everything, he may ask me to go up there and help patch the roof on the restaurant, but he'd be right beside me doing it. And so I respected this guy because I'm like, you know what? You're right. You don't just tell us what to do. You proved it. You put your money where your mouth is. You came down and you do the exact same thing you're, 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 you're asking us to do. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is this. Don't ever think, well, Jesus just doesn't get me. How could he know what it's like? And I've just, I struggle with this and I deal with this. He knows what it's like because According to scripture, he faced all of the same testings and temptations that we do, yet without sin. Jesus gets us, and that's one of the incredible things that I love about him, because you've got to think about this. He had a pretty good thing going for him. Think about it. Living in heaven... Streets of gold, mansions, a river of life right down Main Street there. I mean, he had it going on. And he laid all of that aside to come down to this place so he could become one of us. And we're like, well, I don't know about that. Whenever 
The Lord's asking us for sacrifice. I got to think, Jesus has sacrificed more than anybody that I could ever even begin to imagine. Of course, he sacrificed on the cross. He sacrificed heaven and he ended up spending three days and nights in hell. Come on, man. So don't sit there and think, oh man, I, I don't know, man. Listen, any sacrifice that he asked me to make is laughable compared to what he did for me. How could I not give him everything? How could I not set aside a few hours a week to come to his house and hear about him and worship him and hear his word and be with his people? How could I not make that a priority? How could I not give Jesus a little bit of time out of my day? I've got 24 hours and, and, and some of us, I know, I'm just being real. Out of 24 hours, I know people that give four or five or six of those hours to their phone and give Jesus about two or three minutes tops. Man, I'm trying that faith stuff. I just don't feel like it's working, man. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to say this, but two or three minutes isn't good enough if you're giving something else five or six hours. It's not good enough. It's going to take more than that to overcome all the negativity and filth and junk that is thrown at you all day long. We've got to get to a place where we start taking Jesus, the Son, very, very seriously. Because He takes us very, very seriously. So seriously that He laid aside the glory and luxury and whatever word you want to use of heaven to come live down here in this mess. He takes us very, very seriously. And I am challenging us that we've got to take him seriously. Another thing regarding Jesus being God in the flesh is this, is that he had to have a physical body that could die. And, you know, even even earlier on in my Christian life, I'm like, well, why did he have, you know, I, I, I got it, but then I still didn't fully get it. Like, well, why do you have to get, why, why all this? And then Hebrews 2 perfectly explains why the son had to leave heaven and come down here as a human being. And so Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, and this right here is why Jesus had to become a human and had to come down to earth. Hebrews 2, verse 14, it says, because God's children are human beings. Who in here is indeed a human being? That is terrifying. We've got about 30 to 40 aliens in this. Okay. You didn't raise your hand, all right? All right. Anyway. All right. So because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, that's all of us. The son also became flesh and blood. Check it out. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That's why Jesus had to come to earth. He had to have a body so he could die because spirits don't die. They don't die. You can't stab a spirit. It's not going to do anything to it. And so Jesus existed in heaven, man. But check it out. He, if he was going to die to save us, he was going to have to have a body that could actually be killed. And so Jesus came into this earth, took on a body so he could die and feel pain and relate 
to us. And because of what Jesus did, the devil's power over us is broken. Amen? The devil's power over us is broken. I love Jesus this morning. I love him with all of my heart. He's everything that I've got. I've been blessed with a lot of great things, but Jesus is my all in all. He's incredible. And so Jesus is what we would call God in the flesh, the visible image of the invisible God. But now I'm going to explain something to you in point number two that maybe you've never heard. I don't know, but it's factual and I'll back it up with tons of scripture. But number two is this, is that Jesus technically is our big brother. Jesus is our big brother. And if you're like me, you really appreciate that because maybe you've got big brothers and maybe they're not all that. I don't know. All right, listen, don't feel bad for my brother, because when he has a mic, he lays it on me real thick, all right? This is a two-way street, so anyway, um, but praise God, man, that Jesus is our big brother. I want you to see here, we're already in Hebrews chapter 2, but we're going to look at a couple of verses here, verses 11 and 12. And so this is something that has helped me in life when I got a hold of this. Hebrews 2, 11 through 12, it says, so now Jesus... And the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. And so Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. That's good news. Because let's just get real for a minute. We've all got a little bit of family somewhere that's a little bit embarrassing. Am I right? I'm the only one? I mean, let's just check it out. We've all got a little bit of family that's on the fringe there. And you're like, oh man, I don't really want to know I'm related to them. But hey, you know what? Just think about, you've maybe got a handful of those people. Jesus has millions of us. Yet out of all of it, because I know I've probably embarrassed him at some point or another, out of all of this, it says he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Come on, let's hear it for Jesus today. He is the greatest. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And I'm going to explain in a minute how you're actually his brother or sister. But look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Because I know if I say something that sounds kind of strange, I'm going to have to back it up by two or three witnesses. So Mark chapter 3. And we're going to look here at verses 32 through 35. This is going to be straight from his mouth. Mark chapter 3. Verses 32 through 35, and in my Bible, it headlines this passage as the true family of Jesus. All right, so Mark chapter 3, look at verse 32. It says, there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look. These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. 
Now, I didn't say any of them are his dad, and praise God, because, hey, whew, I'm not messing with that. But check it out. He says that anyone who does the will of God is his family, his sister, his brother. And so Jesus, yet again, even before he died and rose again, says that, no, this is my real family right here. And when you come into the family of God, I, hey, sometimes you have a lot more in common with your church family than the people you're actually related to by blood. Is that a true statement for some of you? And I know so many of you have truly made your Christian family your family. And you'd rather hang out here at church, you know, with, with all these Christian people than sometimes with the people that you share DNA with because you have more in common with your church family and your Christian family than everybody else. Is that a factual statement for some of us? And so Jesus can apparently relate to that because you understand that Jesus had biological brothers and sisters, right? The Virgin Mary didn't stay the Virgin Mary. She ended up having more children, right? I don't want to have to explain that doctrine today, but check it out. Jesus had other brothers, and they weren't nice to him a lot of the time. We know that Jude and James at least became disciples, but you can write it down. Look at John, If you look at John chapter 7, the very first several verses, Jesus' own brothers are mocking him, taunting him, and talking smack to him. Like, hey, Jesus, hey, wow, if you really are all that, why don't you go down there to the festival and show off some of your works? I mean, come on, you if you are who you really say you are. And so Jesus' own brothers gave him trouble and gave him a hard time. Jesus had family issues. So listen, yet again, Jesus can relate to all the things that we go through, even family issues. His own brothers gave him a hard time. In fact, John chapter 7 right there, it says, for even his own brothers didn't believe in him. Isn't that rough? I mean, when you've just got a dream and passion and fire for something, and you think, man, I can at least I can confide in my family, and I know they'll support the dream. And then Jesus' own brothers made fun of him? So Jesus, no no wonder whenever someone's like, hey, your brothers are outside, what's going through his mind? Oh, great, they're here to make fun of what I'm doing today or what? Uh, what, what do they even want today? No, no, no. I, you know, those guys are cool, but this is my real family right here. Those that do the will of the Father are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. This is my real family right here. And so Jesus, hey, he's our big brother. And because of Jesus, you got to know this, because of Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. You're adopted. You have got a brand new family today. And if you've got an incredible family in this world, praise God. If you don't have Praise God! You have been adopted into the family of God. God's your father. Jesus is your big brother. And you've got billions of brothers and sisters all over the world today. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Can we do that? Romans 8 verse 29. Hey, it started slow, but now I'm getting excited, man. I love the word of God. So Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 29. And this is why that we refer to the Christian family as our brothers and our sisters. Amen. 
Because they are, we are all in the same family. We have got the same father. And so, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look here at verse 17. Now, Romans 8 is a phenomenal chapter of the Bible, let me just tell you right now. You should do yourself a great favor and read the entire chapter sometime soon. I would even say later today, but Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look here. At verse 17, Romans 8 and verse, actually 29, I'm going to 17 later on. Go look at verse 29 right now. All right, it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, here it is, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so Jesus is in the family. He's a brother and he's the eldest. He's the big brother, the firstborn. And so, you know what? Being in the right family has some incredible benefits. I'm just telling you that right now. And I'm thinking, with Jesus as my big brother, who in the world can pick on me? Yeah. You know, if you mess with us, you're messing with him and you got to deal with him and he will defend us. He will protect us. Him, God, the father, they will protect us. And I think about if you're familiar with the story, whenever Saul, also known as the Apostle Paul, but Saul, whenever uh, before he became a Christian, he hated Christians and he persecuted Christians. Well, one day he's on his way to a place called Damascus to go round up more Christians to, you know, persecute and torture them. Well, Jesus Christ himself appears and the blinding light of Jesus, it literally blinds the man and he loses his sight. I'm not going into all this, but Jesus himself said something to Saul right there. He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? And, and, and this is Jesus talking. Well, Saul had never personally done something to Jesus But he had done a lot of things to Jesus' family, the Christians, the brothers and sisters. And so he said, hey, when you do it to them, I take it as a personal insult to me. You mess with them, you've messed with me, and now's the time that you're going to have to answer for it. That's a deep thing to think about, isn't it? Come on. Listen, that people might be messing with you, but if they're messing with you, they're going to have to deal with Jesus about that. And he don't like it. He doesn't like it. In fact, that's why he said, why are you messing with me so much? And so there's people that have issues with you. If you're living godly, Peter clearly said, hey, it is an honor to be persecuted if you're living a godly life. If you're not living a godly life, then that's not persecution. You're just reaping the harvest of your bad choices. All right? Anyway, so I'm not talking to those people. talking to people that are living for God. If someone's messing with you, they will eventually have to answer to your big brother. And I'm not saying he's standing there doing this, but I like to imagine that. I'm not saying he's doing that. I just, that's how I like to see it, okay? Stroking... You know, getting ready for it. And so, uh, again, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. That's just what my immature mind is envisioning right now. So, 
Uh, but because of Jesus, we have been adopted into the family of God. You have backing now. You have coverage. You are not flying solo in this life. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, two-thirds of the angels, and approximately two billion brothers and sisters. That's really, really good news today, all right? And so, look at this. Also, I'm going to tell you that because of Jesus, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are what the Scripture refers to as joint heirs. Heirs with Christ. Do you know what an heir is? Somebody that is getting an inheritance. The, the heir to the estate. You know, you know, if you've got a rich relative, a rich father or whatever that, that passes on and they just left it all to you, you are the heir to their estate. And the scripture tells us that because of Jesus, you would think that God just left it all to the Son. It says that we are joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ. Look at Romans 8 and verse 17. Are we learning anything today? Man, the Bible is exciting. God's word is fun. Look at Romans 8 verse 17. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. I love that. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And there are aspects to the Christian life, that's not my point today, where we go through some things. It's not because God threw it on us, but we do live in an imperfect world. And so there's some things that we face sometimes. But check it out. What I'm saying right now is this, is that together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We are joint heirs with Christ. And so, again, an heir is someone that inherits the blessings of their dad and mom and their family. And don't you think that God the Father's got some pretty incredible things to give to you? Do you realize that? The blessings that are available to you? Well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I don't deserve these. No, duh. You were just born into the right family. Right? You ever seen some rich family and their kids got it all? And you're like, man, they don't deserve that. Nope, they sure don't. They didn't earn it. They didn't whatever. They were just born into the right family. And that's us today. We have been born again into the right family, the family of God. That's really, really good news. Amen. I'm going to tell you something else that may blow your socks off. Now, this may sound blasphemous, but it can't be because it's what Jesus said. And I'm going to tell you this morning that God the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. You, right now, in Barstow, California, God doesn't love Jesus any more than he loves you. And that is... I mean nearly mind-blowing because I look at myself and I see all of the mistakes and all the dumb things and all of the imperfections. Then I look at Jesus and see only perfection, only holiness, only beauty. But Jesus himself said this in John 17 and verse 23. John 17 and verse 23. Now, all the things that we're talking about, about being in a joint heir with Christ, being in the family of God, uh, 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 having that God loves us as much as he loves Jesus, that doesn't give me any... uh, for, you know, any license to sin. That doesn't give me any like, oh, wow, well, God loves me anyway. I'll just go live any old way. No, that encourages me and motivates me to live the best life that I can for him. 
That makes me want to live the best, honestly cleanest, most holy life that I can live for Jesus. Because man, he deserves that and so much more. Now I don't live holy so I can earn his love. And like, man, maybe if I'm finally good enough, I can finally get God to love me. No, he loves me unconditionally with no strings attached. But that does not make me want to just go out and live any old way because, oh, he'll love me anyway. No, that's no way to treat God. That's no way to treat Jesus. We want to live our best not to earn his love, but to show him how much we do love him. John 17. Oh, man. Oh, what a chapter of the Bible. Woo! John 17. You heard it here today. Read this chapter by the end of the day. Who's going to do that for me? Oh, my gosh. John 17 is literally one of the most beautiful chapters in Scripture, in my humble opinion. John 17 is known as the prayer of Jesus. And what we have here is Jesus in a moment of of prayer, praying for all of his followers before he goes to the cross. It is incredible And there's not much that can make me cry in life, all right? There's just really not. I don't cry very much. But John 17 can make me cry. (laughs) Because when you really read this chapter with an open heart, you really begin to get a little glimpse of the love of Jesus for his family. He loves his family so, so much. And you would think at this moment, he could be praying, God, please, I know I'm going to the cross. Somehow help it to not hurt very much or give me the strength to make it through it. He's not praying for himself at all. He's concerned about us when he goes back to heaven. He's like, Lord, please, God, Father, protect them, keep them holy, keep them separate. Lord, please, they're in this world, but they're not of this world. And 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 it is just an absolutely astonishing prayer. It, I remember the first time I read it, Pastor Katie and I were newlyweds. I was 19 years old and I was just sitting in our little apartment one day reading John 17 and I fell to the ground crying. And that is not like me, if you know me. <laughs> and I'm like, the love of Jesus just overwhelmed me for a minute to realize like, oh my gosh, you are so good. How could I ever treat you bad? How could I ever go back on my word to you? How could I ever not honor you? You deserve it all. You deserve so much. But this is just one verse out of this incredible prayer. Jesus is praying to God the Father for us, his brothers and his sisters. And here's one of the things that he says in this prayer. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Here it is. And that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. I, I have a hard time saying that because it's pretty hard for me to comprehend how he could love me as much as he loves my big brother, Jesus the Son. But Jesus is praying, no, Lord, let it be known that you love them as much as you love me. That is a beautiful beautiful thing and revelation for us 
to get a hold of. You'll never fully understand the love of God, and you won't, because the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, I pray that we would begin to comprehend how high, how wide, how deep, how far the love of God is, though no one can truly comprehend all of it. But check it out. The love of Jesus has done more for you than you will ever possibly begin to know. I've got to live my best for him. I have to because I love him. I don't, I don't follow the Lord closely because I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't. I don't go to church because I'm afraid of, well, I don't want to make God mad. You know, he's cranky up there these days. I better get over that. I don't read my Bible just to appease him. I don't tithe just to pay him off. No, 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 no. I obey his word because I love him so much. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. That's the reason for living a life in obedience. If it's anything else, it won't last. The only foundation for this relationship is love. Amen? So I'm going to look at the third thing today, and it's this, all right? We're talking about Jesus the Son. Number one, you got to know that He is God in the flesh, the visible image of the invisible God. Number two, you need to know that Jesus is your big brother because you've been adopted into the family of God. And then number three, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. This is the entire premise of our faith. This is what makes us a Christian. Other religions will admit that Jesus existed. You know that, right? Muslims and others, they'll admit that, oh yeah, he was real. He existed. And, and, and many of them will even admit that he was a great person. But Christians know that not only was he these things, but they know that he is God and he is the Savior of the world. That's Jesus. And so I want you to see here, Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look here, uh, before we close out, at the story of the crucifixion. And in a few weeks here, we're 49 days away from Easter. All right, I've got a countdown going. 49 days away. And you better buckle up because it's going to be big and it's going to be good this year. But Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to look at verses 45 through 54. Now, you want to know what real love looks like? This is what real love looks like. Real love sacrifices. And and real love doesn't have to have everything his own way. Real love sacrifices. And Jesus said, there is no greater love than for somebody to lay down their life for their friends, for others. And again, Jesus, he didn't just say it, he did it. And that's yet another of the five trillion reasons why I love and respect Jesus is because he backed it up. His actions, amen, backed up his words. But here we have it, Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to look here, starting at verse 45. And the, you mean, the story is just incredible, but here we have Jesus has been betrayed. He's been stabbed in the back. He has been abandoned by nearly everybody. And here he is, an innocent man, public execution, dying on a cross. Verse 45, it says, At noon, darkness fell across 
the whole land until three o'clock. That, I mean, it happened. It's high noon and just pitch black darkness instantly overtakes everything. It's as dark as midnight at, at high noon. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And for the first time in his life, the son was separated from the father. He had never been away from his dad until this point in time. And he cries out. And the Psalms prophesied that this moment was going to happen. Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, no, 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 wait, 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 let, let, let's see whether Elijah really does come to save him. It was a show to them. They, they, they were mocking him. Then Jesus shouted out again and released his spirit. And the other gospels tell us, what did he say? He said, Father, into thy hands I release my spirit. And this is the moment that Jesus died because when the spirit leaves the body, the body dies. And this will happen to us someday unless we're here when the rapture happens. Your spirit leaves your body. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This curtain was several inches thick and really, really high, and it's ripped apart from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Did you realize there was a resurrection of the dead that took place when Jesus died? They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Verse 54, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, oh, this man truly was the Son of God. What a powerful moment when the Son of God died. It caused the whole earth to shake. It caused the darkness to fall across the whole land. It caused the dead to raise. When Jesus died, everything was shaken and it would never be the same ever again after this moment. Now to those disciples, this was the worst day ever. Because, think about it, this Jesus, he is their everything. And he kept telling them, guys, listen, I'm going to die. Three days later, I will rise again. And somehow it just never clicked. But it finally happens. Do you know how hopeless life would be if Jesus died, was dead, and he was gone? I mean, my whole life is based upon this fact that I can always trust him. I can always go to him. That he is my all in all, and the man goes and dies. What a hopeless, dark, horrific day that that day was. Jesus was dead, and in all reality, it was our fault. He wouldn't have had to go through all of this if it weren't for our sins and our mistakes. He wasn't dying because he had been bad. He was dying because I had been bad. 
But as we read earlier in the book of Hebrews, this was the only possible way to save mankind. Somebody had to die to pay the price for everybody else's mistakes. But I'm telling you right now, there is more power in one drop of Jesus' blood than in all the sins of the entire world. That's on your outline. There is more power in one drop of Jesus' blood than in all the sins of the world. Do you realize? I just imagine, what if they put a drop of Jesus' blood under a microscope? What would they see? I mean, I just, you know, I would just, what would that even look like? The blood of Jesus is, oh my gosh, the most powerful thing in the world. But here's the really great news, chapter 28. Jesus died, and he was gone for three days. But here's the story, amen, of the resurrection. Because if Jesus had only died, I mean, still, where would we be? He had to defeat death. He had to overcome death. So I don't have to be afraid of dying anymore. And so Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6, it says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. They all pass out. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. Jesus is alive today. Amen. And that's why I try as hard as I can to not refer to him in the past sense. Because sometimes they're like, well, when Jesus was here, Jesus had this. Jesus used to do this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus, you need to talk about him in the present tense. He is alive today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. If he did it back then, he'll do it today. And so as we grow our roots down into Him, I want to get to know God as my Father better and better. I want to get to know Jesus as God better and better, as being, amen, my big brother, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I want to get to know Him as my Savior, as my all in all. But I'm telling you this much today. Jesus is so good to us. And if we are facing something today, if you're going through something, he knows he's been right there. Jesus was separated from his parents. Jesus was separated from the Father. But he overcame it, and he made a way for us today. He's nothing but good to us. Amen. Can we stand up together today? Hallelujah. Man, just thinking about him gets me excited. He is, he is so good. He is so good to us. And I can't imagine living life without having Jesus in my life. I mean, 
for me, there would be, it would be pointless. It would be meaningless. It would be powerless. It would be empty and vain and shallow. It would be nothing without Jesus. And so today we're going to wind things down and close things out. But I want to encourage you today that if all of this sounds good and, 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 you know, whatever, I, I, none of it's going to work for you until you really, truly have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to get this. And someone would say, yeah, well, I've been in church my whole life. That's nice. That's wonderful. We're thrilled for you. But that doesn't get you to heaven. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 tell us that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. There's no exemptions. There's no shortcuts to heaven. There's no back door. There's no, well, me and God worked out our own deal. No, you didn't. That's a lie. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. Don't lie to yourself. Don't fool yourself. You need to get real right now. If you do not have a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus, that needs handled today. This world right now is terrifying, man. There's some crazy stuff going on out there. I've got no guarantees other than Jesus. And so we're going to pray together. And if you've never received Jesus, well, today needs to be the day. Maybe you have and you just kind of walked away. He didn't let go of you, but let's get real. You you let go of him. We're not here to laugh at that or to judge you for that. We're here to say, no, let's just, let's get things back where they need to be. You've got to be right with Jesus because we don't know. We do not know. I'm not a fear guy. I'm not a, you know, try to scare us into serving the Lord. I'm not, but I care about people. You know, I care about you. And I want something to happen to any of us if we weren't ready. And so I do want to pray together today and give everybody the chance. And there's no way after today that you can stand before God and say, hey, it's not fair. No one ever told me. Oh, no, (laughs) you were told at least once. At least one time on February 19th, 2023, you heard the truth. And so at least once you have heard it. But I want to pray together today. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Let's say this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me. For anything wrong I've done, I promise to live for you. Give me the strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give him some praise today? Give him some thanks. He deserves so much more. Amen. Well, listen, if you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you're real, you're not being fake, you're real, and you really want to get things right with the Lord, you want to get on the right path, on the right relationship with Him, uh, we've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer. We'll pair you up with someone else from church here for 30 days. They will text you Bible verses and a devotion every day. They will pray for you. They'll answer any questions you may have. They will mentor you for 30 days and, you know, and they'll be there for you after that too. But... We want to help you out to give you every possible chance that you have to live a great life for the Lord. And so if you're here and you want that today, this is Jose over here raising his hand real high. I want you to go over there here in just a minute while we're praying for people. 
In fact, Jose, you want to stand over there where Walter's at? Um, while we're praying for others, go talk to Jose. He'll get your information, and we will set you up, and your life's about to change like you've never even known possible because that's how powerful Jesus is. Amen. Can I get my prayer team to come up together this morning? All right. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, and man, if you've got health issues, family issues, money issues, whatever issues, we want to be in agreement with you and see the Lord work in your life. We'd love to pray for you today. And so let's take just a few minutes here to do so. And if you don't need any prayer, that's fine. They're going to lead us in some worship for the last few minutes. And I always, you know, I ask that we would be reverent to those that are getting prayer and just stick around with us for a few minutes. Amen. Let's go.
have a good time today in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, close out in prayer today. I want to remind you that uh, if you have signed up for membership class, it'll be next door at 4 p.m. So you may want to get here just a little bit before that if you've got kids and get them checked into the nursery and stuff. It's going to be upstairs here, so get your kids checked in there. And uh, we're going to have a really, really great time. And we're really glad that uh, so many of you are joining the family officially. And if you didn't sign up, there's you know still time. Just go back there where Heather's at, at the info booth, and she'll get your name down. And you can officially make this your church home and be a part of the family. It's exciting. Amen? All right. And, of course, there's regular service tonight at 6 o'clock. All right. Let's pray, and then we will be dismissed after we speak some faith over Barstow. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in the word of God today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you've never given up on us, that that every day you're there for us. Your mercies are new. And Lord, I pray that as we this evening, or to, as we this day are leaving this church building, we know that you're going with us. You're with us everywhere we go. Use us to be the light of the world and to show your love to those around us. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.